Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're continuing our study in Jonah. We'll be in verses uh, 7 through 9 of chapter 1. And I just wanted to review a little bit about uh, what we've seen in the book so far. So the Lord has appeared to Jonah. The word of the Lord has come to Jonah and told him to get up and go to Nineveh. Jonah has risen up, but instead of going to Nineveh, he's gone in the opposite direction, fleeing away from the presence of the Lord. He goes down to Joppa, a port city, gets on a ship there, a vessel that's sailing uh, probably for the westernmost port known in the ancient world of the time, the port of Tarshish, which may have been as far away as Spain. The Lord casts a storm uh, and uses beautiful imagery there of actually throwing a storm out onto the water in pursuit of Jonah and uh, displays the sovereignty of God in controlling nature, in following after the prophet. Jonah has gone down into the hold of the ship and fallen asleep. And in verse 6, he's awoken by the captain, uh, approached and uh, told to get up, call on his God, and perhaps his God would be concerned about the sailors so that they would not perish, showing the polytheism of the Phoenician sailors here. Today we'll be reading verses 7 through 9 and continuing in our series. Jonah chapter 1, verse 7. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots, so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Well, in verse 7 here, Jonah has just been woken up. He has been told by the captain, by the commander of these sailors, that he should rise up and call on his God because this storm was so ferocious and so fierce that even these experienced sailors were worried that the ship would uh, begin to break up. So much so that they begin to call on all different forms of gods. But really, only Jonah's God has the ability to save from this storm. All these other gods are pictured as not able to do anything about the uh, situation in which Jonah finds himself. In verse 7, each of the sailors say to one another, say to their friends, say to their mate, come let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. Casting lots was a familiar image used throughout the Old Testament times and into the New Testament as well. The Roman soldiers at the time of Jesus and his trial cast lots to see who will gather up his garments, who will take up uh, some of the things that he's leaving behind. Uh, you can see everything in the ancient world had value and was significant. In the Old Testament, lots were used uh, not as 
frequently, but we see them popping up over and over again, particularly in, in regard to determining the land inheritance of the people of Israel. We see in Numbers chapter 26, and then again in Joshua 14 through 21, uh, first of all, in the book of Numbers, prediction that when the children of Israel would come into the land of Canaan, that they would cast lots to determine uh, which tribes received which portions of the land. And this was fulfilled. Uh, it was predicted beforehand by God and fulfilled in the book of Joshua in chapters 14 through 21, where Joshua and the high priest together uh, cast lots for the uh, people to see who will receive what portion of the land. The casting of lots there in the ancient world was actually a way that the people could determine the will of God. Uh, rather than God speaking directly or speaking audibly, they believed that God was sovereign and would oversee the casting of these lots, this game of chance, so to speak. There are a couple of psalms and proverbs in the wisdom literature that speak to us about the Lord's sovereignty over the lot. Psalm 16 and verse 5 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. And he's not talking about a, a piece of ground here. He's actually talking about the casting of lots. The Lord holds the certainty and security of the lot. Uh, to human beings, it looks like chance that uh, causes the dice to fall in one situation or another, or for an individual to draw the short straw in one circumstance. But God determines all of that. And so in the ancient mindset, there was this understanding of God's sovereignty. As we've already seen, the sovereignty of God is a major theme in the book of Jonah. And here it occurs again. The sailors are casting lots to determine whose fault this storm is. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 33, this is made even more explicit. It says, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. What wisdom there. The Lord oversees every fall of the dice, every draw of the straw, everything that human beings today attribute to chance or random uncertainty. God is sovereign over all of that and in control of all of that. So what did these uh, lots look like in the ancient world? Well, they may have been very similar in some ways to what we do today. I've already mentioned drawing straws, rolling dice. We do have examples in the ancient world of ancient dice cubes uh, that are rolled uh, to determine uh, these games of chance at times. Uh, perhaps more likely, though, was the writing of individuals' names on pieces of pottery, broken pottery. And then they might have very much like we would put uh, names on slips of paper into a hat, uh, gathered up these pieces of pottery and randomly selected. Uh, and when this random selection occurred on this Phoenician ship, it was Jonah's name that was drawn. The sailors do not view this then as a, a game of chance. They view this as inquiring of the spiritual world. The gods will reveal to us through this casting of the die whose fault this storm is. 
that shows the spiritual mindset of the sailors. Not necessarily uh, the monotheistic mindset, but they are spiritual in the sense that in the ancient world, everything is interrelated. The spiritual realm, the physical realm, it's only to our modern ears and eyes that we view spiritual as something uh, naive and not necessarily scientific. It was not this way in the ancient world. Uh, for these Phoenician sailors, they would have viewed the gods, the pantheon, as this very real spiritual realm that interacts with the physical realm at many times. And so the lot is cast. Uh, they, they select perhaps a piece of pottery with his name on it, and the lot falls to Jonah. And so they begin to interrogate him in verse 8. Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? In verses 7 and verse 8, when the term calamity is used, it's actually the same term going back to verse 2 that was used of Nineveh. Nineveh's calamity or wickedness has come up before us, uh, God said, has come up before me. Uh, here, the sailors talk about this storm as calamity, as, as wickedness, as evil. They are not attributing to God that this storm in itself is an evil intent here. In their perspective, it was a horrific event. And so they viewed it as terrible, as calamity, as a, a horrible event. And, and uh, as a result of that, they begin to inquire from Jonah what he has done to result in this kind of judgment. So they ask him some very specific questions about his background. What is your occupation? What do you do for a living? Why are you coming on this vessel? Where are you going? Perhaps they were uh, inquiring. He, he had told them, we find out a little bit later on, that he was going to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Uh, we see that in verse 10. So they asked Jonah, where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And in verse 9, Jonah confesses. We have Jonah's confession to the people on the ship. He says to them, I am a Hebrew. I am an Israelite. And I fear the Lord, God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now listen to how Jonah responds. First of all, he admits to and explains to them several of their questions answered in this one phrase, I am a Hebrew. It answers the question, where do you come from? Because the Hebrews came from the land of Israel. They were either in the northern kingdom of Israel or the southern kingdom of Judah. What is your country and from what people are you? So all of this explains Jonah's nationality and Jonah's ethnicity here. Then he goes on to explain, notice he, he never answers the occupation question. What do you do? Instead, he explains who it is that he serves and worships. He says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea 
and the dry land. And he uses some very specific language here. He uses the name Yahweh. I fear the Lord. This is the covenantal name for God that God gave to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Moses asked God, uh, what happens if I go to Pharaoh? And, and to the people of Israel, and they say, who sent you? What name should I give them? And God says to him, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you uh, to them. And so this covenant name, I am, or in the Hebrew, Yahweh, perhaps, as it was originally uh, pronounced, has sent uh, Moses to Pharaoh and to the people of Israel to help them. Here, Jonah confesses, I fear the Lord, Yahweh, who is God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, in the pantheon of the Phoenician sailors, they would have had separate gods whom they categorized in each of these ways. A separate God for the God of heaven or the God of the sky. A separate God who made the sea. A separate God who dwelt on and made the dry land and interacted with one another. For Jonah to say, I fear the one God who has made all of this, uh, would have perhaps made these Phoenicians very much afraid to hear of uh, a God that they may not have been as familiar with. Now, what do we do with this expression of Jonah? I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. It sounds very much like a pious statement on the surface that Jonah does actually uh, love and serve the Lord God. A few things to remember here. Jonah is a prophet. We've already seen one of his prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jeroboam II, 2 Kings 14, verse 25, speaking about the expansion of the northern kingdom. As a prophet, Jonah would have known and studied the scriptures that he had received, namely the law of Moses. And from that law, he would have known and understood the character of God. So even though Jonah is disobedient at this point, he knows and understands something about the character of God. Now, I think the statement, I fear the Lord, is more of a general statement of Jonah saying, I worship the Lord, this is the God that I serve, even though at the time he is disobedient and fleeing from the Lord. Now, how do you like that? The sailors here are being evangelized by a disobedient prophet. Jonah is proclaiming the one true God to these sailors. This shows us God can work even through our ill intents. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.